And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP. Thank you for joining us on this uh, 4th of July weekend. Long weekend. Yay! You have big plans? Yeah, I'm not leaving the house. How All about right. you? Good for you. Okay. It's too hot to leave the house. <laughs> but actually, we have, we've had a bit of a cool front. I think I was you know, yesterday, yesterday, I will tell you, I was sitting in the yard. I was like, wow. It was like 85 degrees. Yeah. It was like 20 degrees cooler. It was like I needed my sweats. My sweatpants and my flannel shirt, it was fall all over again. Isn't that something when 85 degrees is a cool cool front? Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness. Something's not right when (laughs) that's the case. Let me get my jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Goosebumps. Speaking of cool fronts, maybe cold fronts, this is the worst start to a year since 1970 for the S&P 500. Oh, 1970. If we could only go back. John Wayne wins act Best Actor for one of my favorite films, True Grit. Popular TV shows, Ironside. Here's Lucy, Gunsmoke. Marcus Welby always annoyed me. He was like the Dr. Fauci of television at that point. I didn't like him at all. He always knew what the hell was going on. And he didn't. The other dude did. His, what was his name? The suave... Other doctor the, with the dark hair. I can't remember. Some Vince Everett or I can't remember. No, that's Dr. Kildare. I don't know. I'm all over the place. All I know is stinky, stinky first start of the year for the S&P 500. Any comments there? I mean, Danny wasn't even a thought in his parents' mind in 1970. But, no, uh, I was not. Were his parents even together in 1970? No, they were still in like, no, high they school. they were not. <laughs> they were still in grade school. You know what the average house cost in 1970? Not much. $26,650. Yeah. The new car, $3,543. How do you like that? I like it. Yeah. Good times. Although good times wasn't around yet. We had to wait a few years for dynamite. I had a friend of mine go, do you know Jimmy J.J. Walker is doing Medicare commercials? I said, where the hell have you been? <laughs> Yes. That's just So sad. what do you think about this S&P 500 there, Daniel? I think it's interesting. We need to watch and be cautious because a lot of the, the verbiage or rhetoric that I'm hearing now is that, oh, the worst first half of the year. But last time this happened, the market did 26% the, the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm seeing analyst reports. Apple's going to be up 40% from where we are today to the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's. One of those deals where you don't want to get sucked back into, and that's what I think everybody needs to be cautious with. This is the part of the Revenant where Leo DiCaprio walks away and he aims the gun at that bear thinking he's done. And that bear is just ready, you know, overconfident, ready to go, and then that bear's going to come back and maul him one more time. Yeah, you know, and it, you know what? The bond market might be paying attention now, Danny. When you look at the tenure, right? When Lance talks about where bonds might be and Michael, and it's very true, it's just like the bond market really hasn't caught up to 
what's the deal? And then the Atlanta Fed GDP now comes out revised. We talked about it in our meeting yesterday, and that's now negative. So we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. I mean, again, it is an estimate. We get another revision today, uh, I think. So, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt. But listen, the numbers are headed in the wrong direction. And I think the bond market finally paid attention. Yeah, watching it it go from, you know, two and a half to three and a half in a, in a matter of months. Now, and then was it under three? Down, yeah, 2.95 right now. Mm-hmm. No, but that doesn't mean, I mean, look, this thing's going to continue to bounce around, I would it, suspect. You're right. It will. You know, I don't think it's found a, a bottom, so to speak, or maybe it has. I don't know. Um, but we were always <laughs> concerned and always thought around that 3.5% range that things really started to slow down, and that, that's actually what we're beginning to see. We are absolutely seeing that. And we look at uh, we look at consumer confidence, the lowest it's been, I think, since they've registered. When you look at the University of Michigan numbers, it makes sense. There's a lot of financial distress out there. You know, you have to um, take it in perspective of what bear markets are, what they do. You know, obviously some sectors have held up. You know, this, and to Lance brought up this point, I, and I talked about it with a client the other day. I said, you know, this is a very, he goes, well, this bear market feels different. I'm like, you know, I hate to say it. I've been through a few. It doesn't. It feels like a typical bear market to me. It's very orderly. It, 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 you know, you see a lot of sector rotation into areas you think would still work, and then they break down like consumer staples and utilities, anything that you would consider defensive. But, you know, I don't, it doesn't feel different. It feels like, again, we're in this denial stage emotionally um, of, oh, well, this is, you know, buy the dip. I still hear that, to your point, Danny. Mm-hmm. I still hear, you know, oh, you know, buy this stock, and in five years you'll be happy, and all this junk. We are not at that level of despondency yet to tell me we're at a bottom, at least emotionally. Obviously, there are some stocks out there that are so trashed um, with decent PEs and cash flows that, you know, if you have cash and you want to start it to dip into those, there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, there's just there's just too much emotional denial. And I think the, the Fed's also responsible for that, Danny. When you think about, you know, you're in denial, you know, you just think the Fed's going to come out and do something. They have to. They've always done it. You know, it means this, this generation of investors. And you know what? The inflation numbers show that that's just really not the case. But I can't think of a time where the Fed's come out and they actually say, hey, we are in a recession. Things are, are bad until it's after the point, right? We oh, find yeah. out that we're already there. Are you trying to say we're slow, Danny? We're very slow. Just a little bit. You know, it's like the elastic in my granny panties. It really worn out my whole excuse of things. I I made him speechless with that one. Am I I, supposed to talk after that? I got. I don't even know what to say anymore. I got him with that one. No, but you're right, Danny. You know what? You you don't hear. The truth. The truth comes from the data. Thank goodness we look at the data. Because if we had to listen to the crap that comes out of these people's mouths every day of what they're trying to get us to swallow, uh, it, it really is. And again, I don't think it's political more than it is a finesse of things. I don't think regardless of party, I think the Fed would still be doing this kind of word dance uh, to well, they make would because, because it's become political. That's the problem, right? They're trying to save their job because of the politics behind it. So, oh, look, yeah, that matter if you have it, a yeah. Democrat or Republican in the White House, they're going to be doing the exact same thing and Absolutely. they're going to be pushing them towards, 
hey, try to sustain this, make things right, keep everybody calm. I you wonder know, what, you I wonder what uh, President Trump would have done now. Like, he remember he used to press the Fed that— Oh, man. I wonder if he'd be saying, lower rates! Meanwhile, we got this inflation. It would be interesting to see the dynamic. Well, think about it. Back in 18, we had a different scenario. We did not have the inflation. So, and he was all over Powell in, in 2018 to lower rates, yeah. to your point. So, we'll continue as we get back. But Lance was on uh, Charles Payne yesterday and saying the same thing. The Fed was late. They had some chance, they had many chances, even during the pandemic, to pull back on emergency procedures at least. At least when that fiscal response wave of money came, they should have been pulling back. Well, they should have been more thoughtful and more deliberate with where those funds went. Oh, that second fiscal package, that was that was that problem. There were a lot of problems. We get back, we want to talk about, hey, how many uh, consumers are, are uh, you know, that are earning a certain dollar amount, 250000 or more living paycheck to paycheck? I'm like, this is ridiculous. We're going to talk about some stuff when we get back here. But Edge Fitness Friday, stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I would vote for one of our YouTubers to head the Fed over Powell. 100 basis point move next move, hike this month. They should do it, but they won't. They should. They should make that kind of move. They should go 100 basis points. I would say get it out of the way, front load it. We know the pain's coming. The numbers tell us just get it out of the dang way. We'll get it over with. And, you know, we're already seeing the futures are pointing towards a, a, what, a cut in 2023? Well, and Lance is on that. You know, when you think about it, they're raising rates to cut them again. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just how obstinate um, inflation's going to be. But that's what they're doing. They're raising rates so they can cut them. Um, It's... It's so many interesting things. I'm reading, uh, I'm coming out with my blog next week. Um, well, the, well, actually, when Lance gets back, I'm going to finish writing it. My five best summer reads. And um, there's one, The Lords of Easy Money. It's really about uh, the Fed through that 2008-2010 uh, period. And Thomas Honig, who really was a dissenter through the whole process and talking about the long-term implications of Fed actions, um, he was always sort of odd man out. That's what stands out. And then Ben Bernanke's new book, which I just started, and I'm already pulling my hair out of my head. Um, so is, is his factual or is his just from his perspective? Is it under fiction or nonfiction in the Well, in the, the lords of <laughs> – well, the lords of easy money, that, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, that's factual. This one, Bernanke, is his, you know, you know 
he's going through this whole process, bloviating about what he thinks is going to happen. So far, it's okay. So what is what does he think is going to happen here? I don't. I'm not really full through it yet. Um, but there's obviously climate change and some other junk in there. I really don't want to talk about. Um, I don't think the Fed's job is to be involved in that process. But well, that's it shouldn't just be. Me. And they've even talked about through their mandates, nor is it the Treasury Secretary's job to be no. involved in that either. But no. unfortunately, that's where we are in this this day and age and this climate. So the interesting thing, though, is yeah. that I think that he's pro- probably likely going to say that, oh, we're going to we're going to be able to maneuver this soft landing. And unfortunately, oh, think well, about yeah. all the, the implications and the impact this easy money had for all these years. You start taking the punch pull away. What do people expect? No. And again, listen, I, I'm not even arguing what they did through 2008 to 2010. And what 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 was talked about uh, with Thomas Honig was the fact that he said, listen, you have to understand you got to pull it back. This is a wild horse. Right. And you're going to ride it, but you're going to have to pull back on the reins mm-hmm. eventually. What are your signals to do so? Well, they don't know. They haven't done <laughs> there it. Aren't I any. Mean, what? We, we still don't know. Yeah, here we go. We still don't know. Well, here's an interesting story. This is a collaboration between Paycheck, uh, Paycheck Report from Payments and, okay, and Lending Club. This is the high earners edition. Listen, we all heard the stories about people living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, but, you know, uh, but this, this survey was a bit eye-opening for me, Danny. Uh, slightly more than one in three consumers annually earning 250000 or more are living paycheck to paycheck? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really getting that. So we understand this. Close to two-thirds of the U.S. population, this is from the study, that's 157 million adults, live paycheck to paycheck, making it the main financial lifestyle in the, you know, U.S. Okay, so the, through lower incomes generally correlate with financial distress, but 36% of consumers who, only, who earn 250000 more live paycheck to paycheck? Danny, what the heck, uh, what are we doing wrong here from... A financial perspective or well, a financial, personal way above finance perspective. I mean, that's the problem, right? We we don't pay ourselves first anymore. We pay we pay the man because we're in debt. <laughs> and I mean, that's it, look, it's it's a simple equation here. I mean, you know, if you spend more than you make, that's going to be a problem. And what's happened is now we put everything, you know, think about all the subscriptions. Everything that we have is automated and we're paying it over and over. And we think, oh, it's no big deal. It's just this much. Well, guess what? It all adds up. And you, you think about the, the home, the car payments, you, you add everything else up with it and people are stretched and it's unfortunate. And, you know, we've seen this, especially here recently. I feel really bad for people who are out there trying to go buy something right now or actually physically need a home. Who need that. Not yeah. want, and right? You actually you need. need a car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have people that come to me and they, they lament, oh, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a car. They have a house. They have a car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't do anything right now. Just stay put. Shut up, sit down. Yeah, or I'll give you my yelling voice. You're going to have to back off. Um, you bet. Listen, back off, buddy. Listen, you got to, you know, D- you know, Danny, the immediate gratification is off the charts. Living paycheck to paycheck as far as living on payments is off the charts. Uh, Lads showed that now we have households dipping into using credit cards to make ends meet at, at the tune of roughly $6,300 a year. So obviously, listen, one third of those earning, and this is from the report, obviously, of those earning more than 250000 have average or below average credit scores. 
I mean, these people got a burn rate for cash. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, I don't know. It's eye-opening. I mean, stuff we know, I right? how many of these people are brokers and financial advisors. I really <laughs> would love to see that number. Well, you know, it's always interesting. Like, we'll drive around and, and my wife will say, well, yeah, I don't understand how people afford all this stuff. Like, just because we know how expensive things are. And, you know, we're, we're always trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and save first. And it's, uh, you know, it'll give you a little bit of fatigue when you start thinking about what are these people going through with all the payments? Or you go on a vacation and... You know, I think we do a pretty good job. We'll go out to eat. We split meals sometimes. I mean, people think we're broke when we do stuff a lot of times. But, um, you know, you see how much it is on the other end of it. You're a good fiscal steward of your money. But here's the thing. You're also an example for your children. You know, my daughter's been keeping a budget since she's 12 years old, right? She looks at every dollar. I'm African. She's a little obsessed. And I'd rather have her that way, believe me. So I'll never forget, 1989, right? I'm going through my training at J.T. Moran to be a broker. Uh, and if you don't know J.T. Moran, this was like one of the largest penny stock firms in the country. I actually got— Like uh, Boiler Room? Yeah, I actually—well, that's the—that it is the uh, background for Boiler Room. It is—that's where I worked. I, I, create, I provided some of the information. Vin Diesel plays my boss uh, in that film. Uh, and all the crazy things that were being done. But I would drive in the parking lot, and I had like this 1984, 82, like Dodge Stratus, something really weird. And, and there's Porsches and, and Mercedes and, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, wow, you know, brokers are like, this is what they do. And every one of those people forced me to buy a car, like get in debt as soon as oh, yeah. possible. You right. work Get harder. In, right. That's what they told me when Did I first started working. Did they tell you that too? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that, yeah. You need to buy a car, line buy a house. Oh, yeah. You're going to work harder. Revenues are going to increase. It's, um, <laughs> oh, boy. Lance is trolling again. Um, so, I mean, it is amazing. Last night I had a dream about Lance. We were on vacation. I was telling Brent this. And we were going through someplace. We were overseas. And he just decides to leave me. See you later. Bye. Hey, dude, you're my ride. <laughs> I'll have to analyze that later with my psychologist. Figure that one out. Um, so it was an eye-opener, this new reality check of 250000 or more living paycheck to paycheck. Um, obviously, consumers earning more than 250000 or more are 40% more likely to engage with financial products. How when they're living paycheck to paycheck? I mean... Living above our means is such an epidemic. You want to talk about a real epidemic, Dr. Fauci? A real pandemic? Living above our means. That's the real pandemic around here. The government does it. We do it. And you know what, Danny? I, I mean, I'll blow our horns here a bit. Every one of us as partners, you, me, Connie, all of that, we are trying to be fiscal examples for the clients we work with. We're not out there buying these fancy cars and big, big, big homes. Well, Lance has got an estate, but that's, you know, he's the king. But what I'm saying is, for the most part, we are doing the right things fiscally. Because how could you sit and meet with somebody if you're in massive debt 
if you are exploiting credit cards, if you're doing all these things wrong, how do you sit across from somebody and say, listen, this is what you need to do. Here are our financial guardrails. We follow these. Mm-hmm. You, how, do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I think it's really important, actually. And it's, it's like going to the, um, your nutritionist or a um, you know, trainer. And they're, they're just obese, you know, morbidly obese, for that matter. And they don't take their, you know, they don't take their own advice. That's a problem. And so mm-hmm. we're expected to give advice and to make sure that we're putting people on the right track. And look, I'm all for having nice things for, um, you know, the big house, the nice cars, whatever it is you want to do. If you can afford it. If you, if can you follow it. the rules right. and you don't follow the rules that are given to you by banks and brokerage firms, like 20% of, 28% of your, your take home of your gross income is going to be used for a mortgage payment. No, we created guardrails. We have better rules for you to follow. These are rules that people that we, we guide and advise have built their wealth using these rules. They're not pleasant. No, you're going to have to go above and beyond. And so one thing that we always talk about and you have to think about as well is that most of these big firms that are touting these specific rules, there's, there's a conflict of interest somewhere around there because they're also trying to sell you the mortgage. They're trying to, oh, yeah, you need an auto loan? Go get this. And they're okay letting you get stretched a little bit. And so... As an advisor, you need to have somebody who's willing to tell you no, or hey, this does not work. Here's another angle, another way that you should be addressing or looking at this. And that's one of the bigger problems, Rich, is I don't think that we have people anymore that are willing to have those tough conversations and to put people on the right track for success. And that's the issue when you when it all boils down to it. Nobody's holding anybody responsible anywhere. And no one's going to bail you out. Oh, well. I mean, we bail out, taxpayers bail out everybody, but not you. And not us. Yeah. We'll bail out institutions too big to fail, but not us. We get back, we're going to talk about uh, how much the average working boomer has saved for retirement when we get back. My name's Ben Fry. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a fiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. think a good uh, bumper sticker for an electric car would be, I'm not tailgating, I just need to get to a charging station? Might go. Might be a good pillow. Yeah. Yeah. I always think that when I'm tailgated by, like, a Tesla. <laughs> Dude, there's no charging station around here, man. If you're I know being you're tailgated. It's like when you have to go to the bathroom real bad and you got to get home. <laughs> if you're getting tailgated by a Tesla, I mean by a, a, a Prius... 
That's well, sad. When I'm on Rich probably just made somebody mad. When you're on Luetta, you don't move very. <laughs> You know, you don't move. The, the best thing I've seen recently was on uh, 99, a Tesla pulled over on the side of the road, a small generator and two <laughs> gas cans. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, the irony. There's a company out there. There's a terrorist group out there called Tire Changer or something. They're going out and they're slashing tires of all the SUVs. They're, they just hit New York. Really? really? Yeah, what they do is they slash the tires because they're, you're killing them, you know, you're with your gas guzzler. But they're hitting hybrids and electric cars, too, uh-huh. because they have a carbon footprint. So it's all about taking public transit. I can't remember what it's called. It's T-Y-R-E. But that's interesting. They hit New Zealand and all that, but they just hit New York and got about 47 SUVs and slashed all their tires. Never mind the carbon footprint it takes to recycle the tires that have been slashed <laughs> and produce the tires that have to be put back on the car. Stop critical thinking. Yeah, nobody, Did you stop with your critical thinking, Brent? <laughs> Come on, it's Friday. It's a long weekend. You know, you? Spock would be like hung he, from oh, his, his head toenails and hung yeah. from it. Yeah. Um, so this is a survey courtesy of Brett Aarons at MarketWatch, but this is pretty interesting. This is a company out there called Anytime Estimate. Uh, it's a uh, home financing and real estate website, and they're asking about how prepared Americans are for retirement. So this is about 1,000 working Americans conducted. said that uh, less than half of those surveyed have saved $100,000. Median age of 60, average savings of around $112,000. This is the funniest part. One quarter of those surveyed, 30% of millennials said they were planning to rely on cryptocurrencies <laughs> to finance some of their golden years. Oh, that's golden. That's some golden year right there. Um, so then probably, this is the saddest part of the survey, 80% of people expected to see their living standards fall in retirement. 10% feared they will not be able to retire at all. So, you know, the, we look at all these different surveys that are out there and there's plenty of them. And but they're all saying pretty much the same thing. I mean, we know what the median and average 401k or retirement uh-huh. savings is. We know what people have in the bank and it's not enough. So what's going to be done to get people from here to there? And are we going to see the tiny home, um, you know, agenda that, that you're, you're waiting for? Have you have you invested in a in a large tiny home lot? Is that what's going on? I'd love to do that. Listen, tiny homes are the are the bomb, man. I'm telling you, I wrote about it in my book 10 years ago, and I said this would be a big trend. And I don't know how seniors, older Americans, are going to live. Um, most, Many of them, I think it was over 60% are going to be alone. A lot of them are going to be women. And you're going to have to have some form of communal living, smaller living. I mean, that is it, right? Yeah, I, 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 don't th- I don't know how else you do it, Danny. I mean... You know, listen, we always say you don't need, you don't know what your number is for retirement. I know we have clients that have less than what you would believe and their retirements are fine. But these are, these are like masterly crafted. They're, they're, they're not, they have social security. They work longer. They have a part-time job. Their house is paid off. Uh, they might use reverse mortgage. They have some form of guaranteed income. They're, they're cobbling together a lifestyle. But it's planned, and they're happy. But you know, everybody's retirement's going to look different because of these numbers and the retirement reality of people. I think Danny working longer, whether it's in the current position or a part-time job, just to keep cash flow, which is the lifeblood of retirement. 
moving. I'll tell you what, you know, we, we talk about the bad numbers. We talk about what people are going to have to do, changes that need to be made. But I, I have visited with two people this week, two clients uh-huh. in their 50s, retiring. It's like, we're getting out of the rat race. We're done. <coughs> They're done. And man, I mean, talk about so happy and proud on the other side of the table that you can look at somebody and say, You're, you've done all the right work. You've done mm-hmm. all of these things to get you there. But it wasn't easy. Mm-mm. And, you know, these were the people who were the, the millionaire next door that nobody knew about. But they kept socking away. They lived well beneath their means, and now they're going to be able to. They're going to be able to that, enjoy it. That is still. If you have high school kids, that is still one of the best books. It is for them to read. The Millionaire Next Door. I will tell you, every one of those habits are admirable. Delayed gratification, living below their means. I mean, they need a revision of that book. I think, I mean, but, but that book itself stands alone as far as the information and the rules and the experiences that are listed. Maybe you need some rules around crypto in there. <laughs> yeah, don't that depend be the on update? crypto for retirement. What are you drinking? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I haven't seen lately? What? I haven't seen any of those E-Trade commercials. I haven't seen E-Trade commercials, and I haven't really seen any real crypto commercials. I haven't seen the Matt Damon one, you know? Well, I'm Boy, just that, talking about the commercials in general where they're, you know, they're walking to their jet. You, know, you can have this lifestyle, too. Oh, no, too. those are gone. Or their big yacht. Yeah, no, those are. I miss the, uh, the E-Trade baby. Uh, that was the best. He, it was probably grown up by now. Yeah. Where is the E-Trade but baby? But it is Who funny, you, to Danny's point, if you're sensitive to the ebb and flow of commercials during market cycles, it is really amazing to see what totally disappears. And E-Trade has absolutely totally disappeared. It has. Well, and a lot of these crypto commercials every darn minute with what that basketball player, whatever his name is, and, you know, Matt Damon, those are gone. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. The scariest part, Danny, was during the financial crisis, you know how many auto commercials there are, right? Every minute there's like an automobile commercial on just regular TV. They all went away. Like, I didn't see one automobile commercial through that whole process. Like, people were hunkering down and, and all that. Um, <laughs> crypto for retirement sounds like an activist group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 3D. It does, doesn't it? Like that tire slashing group. Well, who needs a car when you're locked down? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, good, good point Rolf made on the YouTube channel. Says now gold is the go-to asset. And, you know, in times of volatility, that seems to be what everybody flocks to. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked as well as what it historically has, at least not up to this point. And Danny, if we're correct, now listen, it's really great to sit across from clients and say, and they go, Rich, should we, should we hold back our spending? Should we not take this trip? And you run their plans, and they're incredibly successful because we built this, this kind of turbulence in. And our forward-looking returns for asset classes like stocks and bonds are much lower we did this back in 2019, and like, oh, it's always looks stupid for a few years. But if we're right that you're going to be in this secular stagnation for asset price returns, um, then, you know, <clears throat> financial discipline, maximizing guaranteed income, working longer, there are going to be things that you are going to have to do to retire. If we're wrong about this secular stagnation in asset class returns, and you still had all those habits, well, we did a good thing. And I would rather have this conversation with you, Danny, that, hey, 
well, first, your plan's not interrupted. You could take this trip. Mm -hmm. I have clients that didn't want to take this trip to Alaska and other things and said, I said, no, it's in the plan. It's in the plan and, and, your, wor and your plan works. So go enjoy your trip. I'd rather have that discussion than, oh my gosh, this is what just happened here. Well, we're, I'm we having a lot to of make those a discussions, right? And, and we're mm -hmm. having those exact discussions. We're saying, hey, you have big plans this summer? No, heck no. We're not doing anything. We're, we're batting it down the hatches. We're hunkering down. Mm -hmm. And many times we can look at the plan and say, you know what? And look, I always think that's a great idea when you can do it. But I don't want you to be people to be distressed about it either. Like if you're good with that and you're okay with that mindset, hey, great. Mm -hmm. But many times we do run the plan and say, hey, you're, you're in great shape. And I think that's a really nice thing for people to have that sense of, uh, a little bit of sense of peace in that aspect uh -huh. that you don't have to stay up at night. You don't have to worry about this so much. And look, it doesn't feel good for anybody when you're down. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, look, we're, we're down much less than the benchmarks, but it's no consolation prize. You're it, still down. There is no, it's, right. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you're bleeding less Correct. than somebody else. But what's nice is when you can go back to a financial plan and those numbers are not phased. In other words, no, we've built it for this. Your financial discipline fits perfect in this. And you're still fine. Your numbers haven't budged. They're still highly successful. You know, that's a sense of relief. If you want to cut spending, now I've had people come to me and say, Rich, I'm still looking at my budget. I'm still thinking about cutting my withdrawal. Great. If you want to do that, that's fine. But it's in your control. You don't have to do that, Danny. You don't Correct. have to. This is a choice. I have one client says, you know, I think I'm going to go back to work. I said, why? Well, you don't need the money. If you want to go back to work to, you know, be emotionally engaged, be socially, be more social, you want a little spending cash above and beyond, that's fine. But you don't have to. That's the most, the best conversations that I can have. But the people who are historically some of the some of the better people in retirement in the sense of they they plan this, they know this, and they're willing to do those things, they're typically way better off. Yes. That's a whole lot of better there. Yeah. We get back, we're gonna continue on these topics here on uh, Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
much I don't like to talk about Social Security when Lance is trolling us on YouTube. But <laughs> it's so tempting. The nonpartisan <laughs> the nonpartisan committee for a responsible federal budget, Danny, they're estimating that seniors could receive a cola hike of ten point eight percent in early twenty twenty three. That's a new analysis from the nonpartisan group. But where, where do we get the 10% if all the inflation numbers have been in the 8% range? I don't know. Are, are they expecting I think if it grinds down, you're going to be still close to 7 yeah, 8%. Agree. So we so But we have to see what's going to go on, especially for, for, uh, at, your Medicare, at your Medicare component, your Medicare Part B. And there were some really decent hikes for this year. And part of it was this insulin... New insulin drugs. So there's a $22 hike per month. I mean, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. So um, the Senior Citizens League, uh, it's a really good group. Um, I, I suggest everybody who is in financial planning, uh, everybody, I don't care what age you are, if you want to understand, this is the largest nonpartisan seniors group. And th- it'll give you an idea of what, older Americans are thinking about, um, along with helpful information. But this is a bill from uh, Susan Collins and uh, Jean Shaheen. Uh, This is for the insulin. This is bipartisan legislation. Listen, they always have to come up, the Insulin Act. So you got to sit there and think about how to make this sound good. You ready? Improving needed safeguards for users of life-saving insulin now. Insulin. <laughs> it's a good thing, though. They're going to try to lower the costs of um, insulin, right? So one out of three seniors lives with diabetes. Um, and this is the most expensive, obviously, chronic condition in the nation, $327 billion a year. I don't know if you read the latest report on obesity in the United States, Danny, but it's pretty— It's, it's not good. No. So they also look at the Kaiser Family Foundation. We look at the Kaiser Family Foundation for trends uh, in healthcare costs. Um, Part D, which is your prescription drug enrollees, spent nearly a billion out of pocket on insulin in 2019. That's four times the amount spent in 2007. So this this bill is wants to place a $35 um, monthly cap on the cost of insulin for patients with private insurance as well as those enrolled in Medicare, Daddy. Well, I think that we're going to need to put a cap on a lot of these medications. Unfortunately, here in America, we're paying for much of that research and development, mm-hmm. whereas in most other countries, the cost <clears throat> of, of prescription drugs is much cheaper. Now, I will tell you, one of the books on my summer reading list, which I'm writing for Lance when he gets back from his world tour, it's the Lance World Tour 2022 summer world tour the summer world tour because he does a a winter world tour and he does a spring world tour and there's something usually happens Mm -hmm. we just got to make sure mrs roberts is okay can't wait for the anecdotes yeah no me neither um so it's all material for the show for the next six (laughs) months right one of the books (laughs) tony robbins life force 792 pages this is a meaty read but I will tell you, AI is coming for where traditional medicine has failed, preventative medicine. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, Danny. 
what they're looking at to, to combat Alzheimer's, all these think tanks, uh, private funded think tanks around the, the world looking to eradicate cancers using robotics, more targeted chemotherapy. I mean, it's a fascinating, uh, extensive read if you want to understand. He also has some really good ideas of how to get healthier uh, overall. So, you know, we always say we always connect health and wealth in retirement. The average couple is going to spend, according to Fidelity, what, over 300 and what, ten dollars or $15,000 a year? I mean, a lifetime for health care. 65-year-old couple. Yeah, 65-year-old, yeah. right, for expenses, Medicare premiums. But <clears throat> even if you have the money, what if I'm not healthy and I can't be active in retirement and not analyzing my lifestyle, then what kind of retirement am I really going to have? Not good, right? Well, unfortunately, it's going to be much differently than what most people expect or plan. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem when you, you think about all these different expenses, the cost of it, the inflation, and nothing else keeping up with it. That becomes a bigger and bigger issue, especially for people that are just underfunded. Absolutely. So if you haven't signed up for the Senior Citizens League, they do a, um, they do a great job. So here's the latest poll, Danny. Give me an idea. Due to high inflation, do you support a temporary two-year suspension on the federal taxation of Social Security benefits to help address unexpected bills? Because there has been talk, Danny, to maybe pull back taxation on Social Security. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's anything hopeful about that. I don't think that's going to happen. But, but um, you know, the, these, these polls become big uh, a source of intelligence for, uh, for the group. Well, I think the one thing that people have to remember is that, and most people don't realize this until you actually get on social security and you see, Oh shoot, we have to pay taxes on this too. <laughs> and so you're either going to pay 50% of it or 85% of it will be taxable depending on the income that you have. So what Rich is referring to is that they're talking about a holiday or a reprieve mm -hmm. from that, from social security being taxed. And 58% of the people said, yeah, heck yeah, we're, we're all for not, not being taxed on Social Security. The issue is, as always, is that how are you going to make that, that difference up? And we have so few workers and so many retirees. We have a problem with Social Security. Yeah, no, we do. I mean, we don't have enough workers. I mean, in some points that Lance makes about Social Security, he's absolutely correct. The problem you have is how many older Americans depend on it. And I told Lance, you're going to have to turn your compound into a tiny home community and have these people live there. You know, maybe they could be exercise for the dogs, but you're going to see that people are not going to be able to live and survive without Social Security. It has, unfortunately, become America's pension. That's not what it was designed to be. It was designed to supplement corporate pensions and other things. Obviously, that pensions are rare, and um, Social Security becomes a very important element to the overall plan. And this taxation component, people don't realize when they sock all their money away in tax-deferred accounts, they try to manage their tax bracket, and they don't have any tax control, and they don't understand that their marginal rate's probably higher depending on 50 cents to 85 cents of every dollar being taxed of their Social Security. 
So their rates, their marginal rates are a lot higher than they believe when you take that uh, taxation on Social Security into account. And that's what your financial partners should be helping you to understand. That's why, Danny, surgical Roth conversion. Roth conversions have just come into the news so much over the last few years, and we've been talking about them a long time, where people are saying, hey, especially with asset prices depressed, I can move money at a lower price, I can move assets mm -hmm. at a lower price, and hopefully gain the appreciation. But that money is not taxed federally. It's not taxed from a Social Security perspective, and it doesn't count toward the charges that would lead to additional payments on Social Security or IRMA. So having different buckets of of, of or different accounts, we call diversification of accounts in retirement, becomes very, very important. Unless you know for sure, even with the taxation on Social Security, you're going to be in the lowest bracket. Well, then you don't need to. And, and listen, you hope that you're not in the lowest tax bracket because that likely means either one, everything's in a Roth and some type of life insurance policy that's going to allow you to borrow the funds and take them out mm -hmm. tax-free, or you just don't have enough income for it to matter. And uh, that's going to be a pretty difficult lifestyle, I think. So Center on Budget and Policy Priorities actually uh, did a new study, and it says that more than half of retirees are on or living, uh, using Social Security for more than half of the retirement income. Wow. And one in four, nine, it provides 90% of their income. One in four. One in four, so 25%. Mm -hmm. That means 25% of people out there who are retired makes up 90% of their income. But I mean, that's what Why the numbers would suggest. Show? We're just depressing. I know. Next show, we're playing Johnny Cash music. And that's not depressing either. <laughs> I mean, it can be, right? I'm stuck in false prison. Genius. Genius. He's going to update the lyrics. <laughs> I'm stuck in COVID prison. <laughs> oh, man. But again, uh, I'm sure everybody who listens to this show and all the crazy people on YouTube are doing just fine. We're not worried about you. You're doing all the right things. And you've got to teach your kids to do the right things. And you've got to be an example because your kids watch you. They watch your relationship with money very, very closely. They take their signs from you. Thank goodness I listened to my grandparents and not my parents. Oh, my gosh. My parents were the worst with money. <clears throat> So your kid is going to look at that and go, I'm not going to be that way, or I am going to be that way. So someone in the family is going to have to be a good example with money. If it's not you, Papa Mama could be it. Somebody has to. In Danny's family, they don't worry. Those kids are already setting budgets and have piggy banks overloaded with cash. They're doing good. Because Michelle, see, you have to be married to somebody who's aligned with you, right, Danny? On those values yeah. for saving money. If you have one who's a spender and one who's a saver, you know, a lot of times that's not going to work. I've been happy to break up many relationships. Thank you. Yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I said, you know what, guys? I think you should reassess this whole thing. Get out. Get out now. All right. So have a great Fourth of July weekend. Uh, we have a best of next week, all week. But the week after... Danny and I will be back with very select guests for you and hope you'll be returning with us. Be safe. No fireworks. Watch your puppies. Watch your kitties. See you soon.